Once again, guys, uh, so good to see you guys here with us at First and Main Movement Church. And uh, I'm really thankful for the opportunity we have to meet here. It's, it's really encouragement to me. Um, we want to take a couple moments and invite you to connect, something we always do, because we do believe being a part of the body of Christ is so much more uh, than just being here on Sunday morning. This is a great start to our weeks, but it's a long week, right? Um, one of the things I wanted to let you know about some really good news is this past week, most of y'all are familiar with, we had our canned food drive. We met last Saturday, dropped off bags, and then collected on Tuesday. So our connect groups took a little bit of a break and helped out with that. We had a great turnout at both events. We gathered about 112 bags of food. And that's a lot. That's, that's a whole lot of food. Um, and just telling you bags is, is a little bit, it, you know, doesn't help you quite understand. I mean, some of these bags were just overflowing. Some people put boxes out as well and just added on top of it. And it was such a cool thing to see our community do that. And, uh, and so this is something we do usually at least once a year, but a lot of times twice a year. And so we'll probably be doing it again in the spring. And so we're excited about that. So make plans to be a part of that. It's such a really big blessing. It doesn't take a lot of work or effort. And a lot of good is done from that. So we want to invite you to connect in that way, in ways that we serve in the community. And uh, if you're online today, you can say hello in the comments, or you can uh, send us a private message. If you're here today for the first time, we'd love for you to stop by our welcome table on the way out and connect with us there and help you get more connected to the body of Christ. One of the things I want to share with you as we think about our time of generosity is uh, some of you may or may not have stumbled across this on Facebook but Mac and Diane, who have been a huge part of our church, they just moved down a few months ago to New Bern to live their dream of living on a sailboat. That's living the dream, right? Um, so they moved down a, a few months ago. But one of the things they did in their past was they were missionaries to Albania. Um, we helped send them in the past on, on a couple of trips ago and uh, furloughed the missionaries there in Albania. So they've been back over the past couple of years. And we gave a, a, a little bit to help the missionaries going on there. But so be in prayer for those missionaries. A husband and wife team, I believe they are both diagnosed with COVID. And uh, so we just want to let you know to be praying about that and just pray that it doesn't affect them too negatively and they can hopefully heal and recover really quickly and be back on their feet and that it doesn't spread too much within their church family. And so that's a really big prayer need right now in terms of our generosity. And, and that's what's so encouraging to me is from day one, even before day one, before our church started officially meeting, we tried to give and give not just to people in our town, people in our church, but all around this world. And so we want to be a, a mission-minded church that really helps the gospel go, not just next door, but the whole way around the world. And so when you give it movement, you really do change lives. And, and that may sound like something that's repetitive and maybe it doesn't carry a lot of weight, but I mean, literally, there are going to be people in heaven that you're going to get to meet that you help bless and you won't be able to take it home. And so that's an awesome opportunity to be a part of. Uh, we want to ask you to, to really be praying. I mentioned this over the past couple of weeks. We are searching for a more permanent home for Movement Church, and uh, that's going to take um, it's going to take some God-sized movement. And He might be working on your heart to get you to help be a part of that, to help us get a place that we can call home, do ministry, maybe even twenty-four-seven out of it every day of the week. And so, just be praying about that. As we find out more information about some possibilities, we'll be sharing that with you. But uh, the big thing right now that we can do is be praying as we give and give generously. Trust God to bless us every step of the way. And you can give online at movementchristianchurch.com. You can give on our church app. And you can give in the offering box on the way back, uh, on the way out as well. Uh, we are continuing in our uh, study of Colossians. And uh, for kids that are not already on the video, now's a good time to get on that video. And you can go to YouTube and search Movement NC if you haven't already found that link. But they have a, a really cool video that Miss Sherry has worked hard on 
uh, preparing for them. And our parents, I will make sure you're not watching those screens. I want you to pay attention up here. I'm so much more excited than a YouTube video, for sure. But anyway, uh, we're in Colossians chapter 2. I'll be honest, a lot of times as I start a message, I kind of maybe start off with something maybe a little bit funny, a little bit silly. But I don't have anything like that this week. Um, some of you have been around for a little bit. You've heard me from time to time talk about how it's been, it's been like in the past sometimes when I was preaching or preparing to preach on a certain topic. It seemed like I was just bombarded with that topic. You know, there's been times I've talked about uh, depression and anxiety in the past. And that week, it just seemed like I, I got overloaded with it. And, you know, I like being able to relate to what I'm preaching about. So it comes from the heart. But there are times that I'm like, okay, Lord, I don't really want to be the guinea pig for every sermon I have to preach. Right. You know, I'm going to do my best not to preach about being stoned to death. So hopefully that won't, you know, won't happen. Come on, give me something. Man. But here's the thing. I, I've been I've been wearing it this week. The essential part of what I want to talk about today is about being full. That's been the whole theme of this series of messages that we're going through in Colossians, but this week in particular. I was really weighed down with the feelings of not being full. And if you want to be really honest, I was weighed down by the feelings of being completely empty. And I don't like feeling that way, but I, I guarantee you every single one of us has felt that way at some point in our lives. And this week, the deceiver, Satan, was just in my ear, in my head. He was telling me everything that could go wrong. He was telling me everything that somebody might believe about me. He was telling me everything that I believed about myself at some times in my life. And I just had this burden and I just felt like it was oppression just laying on me. And I hated it. One of the things I try to remind people is if, if I'm nothing else, I'm, I'm real. And I'll never try to stand up here and act like that. I've got it all together. But by the grace of God, I'm a lot stronger than I used to be. And I've grown a lot in Christ over these past 20 years or so. But I'm never claiming to have all the answers. But I'm somebody who needs the grace of God to get through every single day. And whether you know it or not, that's you too. And this week, I needed the grace of God in ways I haven't needed in quite some time. The Apostle Paul wrote to this church at Colossae. And they were a church that was struggling in a mighty way, struggling with the idea of, is Jesus really who he said he was? And therefore, what do I fill my life with? Can I fill my life with Jesus? And will he fill me up? Or do I need all these other things, these other religions, these other ideas, these other philosophies, these other practices? Do I need them to fill me up like they used to? And that struggle was there for them. They really struggled and they were wrestling with it. And so Paul writes this letter to these believers and he tells them, he says, ultimately this, he says, following tradition and deceptive philosophy will leave you doubting and tossed around in your faith. You know, the world is going to tell you how to be full. They're going to tell you all sorts of ways 
to be full and to be fulfilled in life. But every single one, the crazy thing is, is that even though they may feel like they are filling you up at the moment, they will actually somehow, almost magically, leave you emptier than you were before. You'll feel drier and deader and just more hollow than you were before you try to fill yourself with these things. And here's what the Apostle Paul says, inspired by God. Look at verse 8 if you're there, chapter 2 was chapter 2 of Colossians, beginning in verse 8. It says, Do not let anyone capture, capture you with empty philosophies and high-sounding nonsense that come from human thinking and from the spiritual powers of this world rather than from Christ. Okay, let, let me do something. Let me, let me help you focus in on this. I, I struggle sometimes when I read God's word, I, especially if I've read it before, I may be tempted to just sort of zone out and just say, okay, words, 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 words. Oh, there's Jesus' name. That's how you think. But here's what I want you to understand. He said, there are philosophies, there are traditions, there are ideas that are out there that are nothing but junk. They will leave you empty. They will leave you completely dry. They will not fill you up rather Christ will. He will fill you up. He will give you what you need. And I guarantee that in this room, there are people, every single one of us actually at some point or another, that has spent time in our lives wondering if we have done it right to follow Jesus. I would say if you've never questioned, then man, it's time to look a little deeper. Because when you think about standing before the almighty God one day, you want to make sure that you have surrendered your life to him and to him alone. If you understand what the word of God says is that he is an all-consuming fire and that he is going to make us give account one day for what we have done with Jesus or what we have not done with Jesus, then we want to make sure that we know beyond a shadow of a doubt what our, if our relationship with him is in right standing. We're saved by the grace of God. And so maybe sometimes we've been going through our lives and we've spent so much time wondering if we said like the right prayer or we believe the correct way or we believe the right things. But I want to tell you from this passage of scripture that we're studying today, when you do things God's way, there comes a peace and you allow God to do the heavy lifting to save you because you and I cannot do it on our own. We can't be good enough. We can't work hard enough. We can't do enough good things to make up for the bad things. God, alone through his son Jesus, has to do the heavy lifting to give us the peace that passes all understanding. And so I believe Paul is telling these people, he says, if you want peace, if you want assurance, and he's saying that to you and I, he says, if you want peace in your relationship with Christ, if you want assurance in your relationship with Christ, Here's what he says going on in verse 9. Here's how you can have it. For in Christ, all the fullness of God lives in a human body. Jesus is God. He is the boss, the head. What he says goes is what Paul's saying. It says, for in Christ all, lives all the fullness of God in a human body. He is God. And I know we've talked about that over the past few weeks, but these Colossians were struggling with it. And you, even though you might not ever vocalize these words out loud, you might not ever say, I don't know if Jesus really is God. You might think, is he really the answer? Is he enough or is my sin too much? Is my past too much or my mistakes too much for him to handle? 
And what Paul was saying to them is absolutely not. He is the fullness of God. Jesus came in the flesh and he is God. And ultimately, as I said in my own words there, he's the boss. He's the head. What he says goes. But it goes even deeper than that. It goes even deeper than that. To have true fullness is more than knowing about Jesus. There's a lot of people that know the name of Jesus in this world. But knowing the name of Jesus is not enough according to the scripture. It's not to, enough to simply know his name. It's not enough to simply know his name. It's more than knowing about Jesus. It's about knowing him and being known by him. And ultimately, the best way to describe it, I believe, is being in him. That's what it's all about. We want to know, am I in Christ? Am I in Christ? Am I known by him? Do I truly know him? Here's what Paul does. He reminds this church, he reminds you and me, how you can know that you have fullness in Christ, completeness in Christ. Look at verse 10. Everybody listen. So you are complete through your union with Christ, who is the head over every ruler and authority. When you came to Christ, you were circumcised, not by a physical procedure, not by a physical procedure. Christ performed a spiritual circumcision. The cutting away of your sinful nature or your flesh. For you were buried with Christ when you were baptized. And with him you were raised to a new life because you trusted the mighty power of God who raised Christ from the dead. Paul tells something completely profound here. I've been that person and I've talked with a lot of people who have wondered and they've done a lot of different things and they've been told a lot of different things about how to, to know Christ. But what he says very clearly right there is he says, when you were baptized into Jesus, that Jesus cut away your sin from you. He removed it from you. Like it says in, in Old Testament, for as far as the east is from the west, he made you whole. He made you... He took the, the sin out. He took the hurt out, the pain out, so that you could be filled with his Holy Spirit, filled with what's good, filled with life. And that's why he does it that way. He says you were buried with him and you were raised through your faith in the power of God, the mighty power of God, when you were raised from the dead. I don't know about you guys. But if you want to know that you're forgiven, I don't know of a better way to do that than to say, Jesus took care of my sin problem. Jesus took care of my sin problem. He cut the sin away from me. Somehow in his, in the spirit world, as I was lowered in the waters of baptism, it says, he cut away my sinful nature, my past, my, my mistakes. He cut away those things. He removed them from me. And then by my faith in him, he raised me up to a new life. And so when you come out of the watery grave of baptism, you are new and clean. Isn't that an amazing, amazing thing to be a part of? To celebrate the new life that we have in Christ. We're raised up to walk in a new life. When Jesus does the heavy lifting, you don't have to worry. You don't have to fear. When you trust him on his terms, when you trust him what he says, he is able and you don't have to have doubts. You don't have to have fears and worries and concerns anymore. 
So when we're buried with him in baptism and raised with him through our faith in God's power, if you want completeness, this is so important to get this. There's a lot of people who probably had very, very good intentions, but they try to separate faith and baptism and try to make them two totally different things. But, but baptism is so much a part of faith. Why? I don't know exactly other than God says so. But I sort of have an idea. If I can assume and, and presume to know the mind of God, can you think of a better understanding of the fact that you're lowered down and for a, a few moments, just a couple of seconds, you stop breathing and then you're raised up to a new life. God has chosen in that moment to do a spiritual work in you. God does the work. Jesus cuts away your sin and you're raised up to walk in a new life. God chose that because you and I are so visual and we need to be able to look back and say, when Satan whispers in here, he says, you know, I know what you did. I know what you're thinking. I know the sin that you struggle with. You can look at him and say, I died and I was buried however many months or years or weeks ago. I am no longer who that person was that went into that grave. That, that person that came up was a new person, a new creation in Christ. And you can know beyond a shadow of a doubt that Satan has no power over you. He has no claim over you and your life. And a lot of people have said, all you have to do is just simply believe in the name of Jesus. Believe that he is and, and that everything is good. But if you look at Scripture, and I want to challenge you to just look at Scripture, faith and baptism are inseparable. They're inseparable. Because if you really believe God, if you absolutely trust Him to save you the way that He says, then you'll do what He says. Listen to me for a second. If you're doubting, if you're wondering, if you spent your life doing that, wondering if you were okay, maybe someone told you to say something that people a lot of times call a sinner's prayer. I want to encourage you and challenge you with something. You can search the whole Bible over and there's nothing in there that looks like a sinner's prayer. And what I want to ask you is this. Do you want to place the burden of your eternal soul and your salvation on something that you don't find in Scripture. I, I can't. I, I don't want to do that. And I don't want anyone else to do that. So what we have to do is dig into God's Word. People have often said as well that, the, that baptism is described as an outward sign of an inward grace. But you won't find that in Scripture either. You won't find that terminology. And people will say, well, it's the first act of obedience that you're saved and, and then you're baptized. But the Bible doesn't use language like that at all. The Bible doesn't use language like that at all. And, and people will say baptism is a symbol of the fact that you were saved already. That's not in Scripture either. It never says that it's a symbol. But you will find in the Bible that it says that Christ cuts away your sin at baptism. It will say in the Bible that he raises you in faith. It will say in the Bible that he forgives your sin in Acts 2.38, but also says he cuts it away there. It will say he gives you the Holy Spirit when you're baptized. It will say in Galatians 3.27 that he clothes you in Christ when you're baptized. 
It will say that he saves you by the resurrection of Christ in 1 Peter 3, 21. And it will say in Romans chapter 6, it's where you share in the death and the resurrection of Jesus when you're baptized into Christ. I know. I know for some people, this might be a lot. And you might, you might be questioning, you might be arguing even back with me in your mind. But I want to ask you to do something. If that's you, I want to ask you to, to not let your emotions cloud your mind. And consider for a few moments what the Bible says. And make your decision based on that. And some people may say, well, does it really matter about the, the when or the what or the why? Does it matter why you're baptized or, or when you are baptized? And I used to question that as well. And as I studied, I found in Acts chapter 19 an interesting story. You can write that down. You can go read that on your own time. I'm just going to give you a paraphrase. And I, I'm going to do my best to be true and faithful to it. But in Acts chapter 19, it says that Paul was on the road and he come along these 12 men. And he starts talking to them and they had not heard of the Holy Spirit. And he was stunned by that, it, you know, is, is the understanding you get. And he says, then what baptism did you receive? And they said, we received John's baptism. And so then it goes on and says that he then baptized them into Christ. There is a difference in the physical baptisms. John's baptism was not enough because it was not being buried in Christ. Because Jesus Christ, the baptism that he instituted when the church began in Acts chapter 2 was the baptism that was his death, his burial, and his resurrection. And so, yes, they had been dunked under water following John, and that was good. They were being obedient to that. But they still needed to place their faith in Jesus and be baptized into him. And what we understand is when we take all the scripture, the powerful things that were happening there is when it says that Christ was cutting away their sin. And so I challenge you to consider, yes, it does matter what you believe when you're baptized into Jesus. What it, it does matter when you're baptized, at what point you believe God is doing the work, because it's not about anything you can do. It's not a it's not a work that you can do. It's what God does, the work that he does in you at that point of your faith in him. And there are going to be people that will say, well, I make a big deal about it. But let me ask you this. If you saw anything in the Bible that had as many powerful consequences connected with it as those I just listed off about baptism, would you want to keep quiet about it? If you saw anything in the scripture that had that many consequences that said that you're forgiven of your sin, that your sin is cut away by Jesus, that you die and you're raised to walk in a new life. If you saw anything else that was that connected to something so powerful, would you want to be quiet about it? I know the answer is no, you wouldn't want to be quiet about it. And that's what the scripture says so clearly for us to hear. We don't want to be terrible people who keep the truth from people. And so that's why today I stand before you and I share this powerful truth for a reason. Because what he said in chapters 8 and 9, he says, you've been full, there's fullness of God in Jesus. And you have been given fullness in Christ when you were baptized, when you were joined, united with him, it says. If you want to be full, if you want to be complete in Christ, then you have to meet him on his terms. You meet him in baptism because of your faith. 
You can't go into a baptism without faith, but that's what raises you from the dead because you trust that God is able to do it even though you're not. He's able to give you life when all you deserve is death. He's able to, to forgive you when all you deserve is condemnation. He's able to lift you up when you could not walk spiritually, physically, mentally, or emotionally. And here's what fullness looks like. I'm here to tell you it's so much more than your best life now, folks. Look at verse 13 beginning there. It says, you were dead because of your sins and because your sinful nature was not yet cut away. So he's tying back to what Jesus did. He said, before that, you were dead. Your sins were not yet cut away. Then God made you alive with Christ, for he forgave all our sins. He's tying back to what he just told them again. He says, when you joined Christ in baptism, you were forgiven. You received the forgiveness that only comes to the cross of Christ. And look at verse 14. He canceled the record of the charges against us, and he took it away by nailing it to the cross. In this way, he disarmed the spiritual rulers and authorities. He ashamed them, or he shamed them publicly by his victory over them on the cross. There's just a few quick things I want to sort of wrap up here with. He said you were dead. You were dead. Have you ever felt dead inside? I know the answer to that. Yes. You may not have able, been able to put a name to it, but you felt dead inside. But you know what? It says that you were made alive by God. God made you alive when you met him in the waters of baptism. He says you were convicted. He said there was a written code that stood against you. All these charges were there. You were found guilty. You were, you were convicted. You were shamed. You were under disgrace. And it says that he took it away and nailed it to the cross. Forgiving you. You were convicted, but now you are free. You were powerless, it says. It says that these powers that were over you, they were, they were holding you down. He disarmed them, these spiritual rulers and authorities. He shamed them publicly by his victory over them by the cross. The powers that were over you, he embarrassed them. He embarrassed them. He made a spectacle over them, triumphing over them by the cross and set you free. What he did was he said, they have no power. They cannot do anything to you. Whatever Satan tries to tell you, if you've met me where I told you to meet me, you are free and you are clear and nobody can cast judgment on you. That's right. And the only way that you can know that you have that kind of fullness and assurance is to do exactly what Jesus says, not what somebody else says. Not even what I say. If I'm not telling you scripture, don't listen to me. But if, if it's scripture, then that's what we have to do. He says, you were dead. You were powerless. But now, he's made those things a spectacle. Jesus completely overwhelmed the enemies. He didn't just beat them. He just stomped on them. He embarrassed them. He, you know, anything that they say is just nothing to him. He just laughs when Satan makes an accusation against you when you were in Christ and you were free indeed. Some of you today, you may find yourselves dead. But it's time to live. You can be free. 
You can be absolutely free indeed. And some of you stand convicted and you're bearing those burdens and you feel like you cannot stand up underneath it. The list of charges, if they were read out, would be so embarrassing and overwhelming. It's time to be forgiven. And that can happen today. Some of you are, are powerless and you feel like you're owned by your past and you feel like you're owned by what people know about you and the parts of you that you gave away and that you should never have given away and the mistakes you made and the paths you walked down on and the people you spent time with and you can't even stand on your own but today it's time to be free. But you can't be alive. You can't be forgiven. And you can't be free until Jesus makes you whole and complete. And the weight of what we're talking about today is I want you to stand before God knowing that you did what God said to you, not what anybody else said to you. That you obeyed God's terms, that you obeyed God's word, not what anybody else says. And because of that, you can stand with full confidence when Jesus comes. Yes, it says every knee will bow and every tongue will confess, but I believe pretty quickly that those that are covered by the blood of Jesus will stand and shout in victory because Jesus is alive and you can be too and I can be too. I want you to experience the freedom that only Christ can give where doubts and fears and shame can have no power. Yes, they'll creep back in like they did on me this week. But I remind them, yes, I died and I was buried. And Satan, you have no claim over me. You are embarrassed. You were put down. You were put to shame. I cannot be shamed anymore. Amen. Because Jesus' grace is enough. So if you don't know that truth, if you don't have that peace, if you can't say with confidence that you know your relationship with Christ is where it needs to be, I pray that you will not just walk, but you will run and talk to me or someone else that's willing to help you do what God's Word says to do. Don't wait any longer. Don't play a game thinking that you've got eternity to make a decision. All you have is today to make a decision for eternity. Can you say that you're free? Can you say that you're alive? Can you say that I can stand here with no shame? The only way to do that is to be full and complete in Christ. I pray that today you make that decision if you haven't already. And if you've already made that decision, I pray that you'll walk out of here and you'll tell somebody that you love and care about that they need to have that same peace and that same fullness and they can have it today in Jesus as well. I'm going to be standing right back here. If there's something you'd like to talk to me about, pray about, look at God's word together. Maybe you're not even sure if, if what I'm saying is right, but I want to sit here and I want to show you what God's word says. And I'd love to do that. But don't leave here without addressing your freedom in Christ. Don't leave here without knowing that you can be alive in Christ. Let's sing. Let's worship God.